0: Over the past few seasons, Manchester City and Liverpool have constructed a fascinating rivalry with the coaching battle between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp at the heart of it. Their race for the title last season went right down to the wire, while it was Liverpool who ended City's FA Cup hopes at the semi-final stage. This season, it's a different story. Liverpool have found consistency harder to grab than a leaf on the breeze, while City are finding Arsenal to be stubborn opponents in the battle for the Premier League. So while their rivalry is currently in a trough rather than a topper peak, a clash between these north-west foes is always box office entertainment. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Some people who are consistent are the members of my top-tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare, who spent the entire international break glued to the screens of his subterranean betting lair. Uh, Mark City, 19 points ahead of Liverpool in the table. But confusingly, Liverpool have beaten the champions twice already in all competitions.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I guess so. I can't only really any good account one of those. Um... Was the other one of the Community Shield?
0: How very dare you not give credence
1: to the Community Shield? Yeah, a load of nonsense doesn't count. Um, It is a vital part of English (laughs) football heritage. Okay, if you say so, Kev. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a fascinating game. Normally, it would have so much riding on it, but you could still say it's a very, very important match for both teams for obvious reasons, not just City's title ambitions, but Liverpool's quest to try and break into that top four. Um, they have started to put a bit of a run together and have at least closed that gap on those top four teams. So yeah, it's a massive match for both teams still. Um I guess the unwritten rule is always to be or always not to bet on the early kickoff. That's what we're always told, which again, that's a load of nonsense normally. But um, I think on this occasion, there is possibly a little bit of credence to that be, with this being an early kickoff on the Saturday immediately after an international break. I think there possibly is a, a heightened chance for either team to be caught a little bit cold perhaps, but um, it really shouldn't be the case. Most teams or most nations concluded their business on Tuesday night by the very latest. So there has been a bit of an opportunity for rest and recovery ahead of Saturday, early start um, for City obviously as you say no margin for error really 8 points adrift of Arsenal with that game in hand there's 33 points still to play for but judging by Arsenal's form uh, they're going to need to take the, the large majority of that to, to get over the line and, and reclaim their title so um, you know there are live doubts over Liverpool Um as we've seen, particularly away from home this season, they failed to score in four of their last five away, um, including that sort of limp effort at Madrid. Uh, just three away Premier League wins all season. 12 points from a possible 36. They failed to score in six of those 13 away as well. Uh, and we're pretty well beaten at Bournemouth um, a week after the sort of destruction of Man United, which kind of goes to show the inconsistency of this team. But key players are returning. We've talked about the the key sort of defensive uh, partnership, um, but also Thiago, Luis Diaz, I believe, are edging ever closer, possibly could be involved in the squad this weekend, which would be a big boost for, for Liverpool for sure. Um, and as for, for City, um, we do tend to see them rise to the big matches at the Etihad. Uh, their home record tends to be very, very strong. 11 wins from 13 in the league this season. United, Spurs, Newcastle, they've all been beaten with room to spare, even if the performances haven't been as convincing as the results suggest. And as we saw away at Arsenal, they came to the party when it mattered most as well. So, yeah. Um, I think City are the more likely winners for obvious reasons. Um, if you look at all the underlying metrics, as, as Jake will tell you, they are still the strongest suit in the Premier League this season. Um, but as we keep saying week after week, they've not completely convinced consistently now for, for quite some time. So, And there are always also the, the question marks over Haaland's fitness. I expect him to be involved, but um, you obviously want him on side if you're going to back City. So... Um, I kind of steered away from both teams just because of the early start immediately after the international break. The bet that kind of stood out to me in this match was both teams to score because it's 1.78. And I cannot remember the last time a both teams to score bet involving City and Liverpool was anywhere close to this mark. Um, it's normally around 1.5. You're looking at a goal, ex- goal expectancy of normally around 3. Um, it's a little bit lower this time around, and that's possibly due to Liverpool's poor away record. But actually, if you look closer at both teams' records this season, Liverpool have scored in every away trip to the top half, um, bar Brighton, uh, and four of City's five home games, um or, sorry, four of City's five home clean sheets have come against bottom half opposition as well. So While City have been doing the business at the Etihad against the bigger teams, they have been conceding goals and conceding opportunities. And, you know, we don't need a a new reminder, really, that uh, Liverpool and and particularly Jurgen Klopp has a a bit of an Indian sign over Pep Guardiola uh, from time to time too. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is a cakewalk for City whatsoever, but um, you do expect them to win. I just expect Liverpool to, to at least get on the score sheet too.
0: Trader and tipster of legendary renown, Emmett O'Keefe, is in the squad again. Emmett City, the one point six five favourites here, they do have a strong record against Liverpool at the Emirates. They have beaten them in the League Cup there this season, for what that's worth. But for all the reasons Mark's outlined, you know, Liverpool fans aren't exactly going into this brimming with optimism, are they?
2: No, um, I, I can echo everything Mark said. I think this morning's game a little difficult to call. The one stat I've just been kind of focusing on and just thinking about this game is just the Liverpool's kind of home and away splits. I think that sometimes with, if you look at team's home and away record, there could be a lot of randomness in there and you could have don't necessarily want, want to read too much into it. But with Liverpool, the contrast is so big that that, that I would read something into it. They're, the, Liverpool are the third best team in the league at Anfield and they're the 13th best team in the league away from home. And we've seen them even since Christmas take some really bad beatings away from home in terms of, if you're thinking, away to Brighton, away to Wolves, away to Brentford. <clears throat> and, and even, they were probably a little bit unlucky to um, to lose to Bournemouth in terms of most a penalty, but still that wasn't it wasn't convincing. And you you kind of, the way, I think it must have been really disparaging I think for any Liverpool fan, the fact that you thought maybe they'd had a kind of a breakthrough and they would kind of really kick on in the season after hammering may at home, then go out to lose to Bournemouth the week after, just incredibly frustrating. And so, yeah, and just kind of the the performance that just shows, I think, kind of how how far how, large, how far Liverpool have fallen. But having said all that, most of those kind of punishment beatings that Liverpool have taken away from home came when uh, kanate and Van Dijk didn't play. So I am just kind of wary of. Could have. I don't. I don't. You don't want to judge Liverpool. I, I, you could have not judge, judge Liverpool as harshly based on the past performance. Given that the, the kind of the talent they have now it, it is slightly improved. Um, but I I would yeah, lean yeah Man City. But as as Mark said, given Erling Haaland's fitness, I'd probably I kind of I, I would I definitely stay away from the match betting. If you're looking for kind of a kind of a a, a a bet builder in this match, I think if you're a bet for a customer, we have a kind of a the bet five get offer bet five get five offers that that'll definitely make some appeal. The angles that I'd be looking at would be Trent Alexander Arnold, obviously because he'll be marking Jack Grealish. Look at him in the fouls markets and to be carded Grealish. As per usual, is the second most fouled player in the Premier League this season, and also uh, Ruben Diaz to have a shot at five to four made some appeal to me. He's in a decent form in that regard. He's averaging close to 0.7 shots per game, and I just I think we've seen Liverpool have a few issues defending set pieces, so five to four looked a little big to me.
0: The dashing doctor of data, Jake Olskathorpe from InfoGoal, will see you now, Jake. City find themselves eight points behind Arsenal. Is the data showing? that the gap is smaller than eight points or are they behind the gunners on merit?
3: Um, It's a lot closer than eight points, would suggest, based on the data. Um, Arsenal have had a couple of fortunate results go their way over the course of the season so far. City, the opposite. Um, But obviously, you know, it's still all to play for. City with the game in hand, they have to play each other again at the Etihad, which would um, obviously cut those arrears down to two points and make it really interesting. And, And the simulations we ran over the... Uh, international break had city at 46% chance of winning the title and arsenal at 54 so it really is very close um and any slip up now is going to be you know pretty monumental in terms of shifting those percentages so um yeah it it you know city know what they have to do they're pretty much going to have to win out i think looking at arsenal's fixture list um particularly arsenal at home they've got quite a lot of winnable home matches a couple of tough away games but city've got a couple of uh, tough games themselves so yeah, it's a big game. I think Mark said it at the top, but it's very, very um, important for both teams. You know, Liverpool climbed it back into the top four race and now risk being cut adrift even more than what they were beforehand um, if they don't get a result here. And, and City obviously have to win. Um, I, I, I think the both teams' to score bet is is a nice angle to take in this. But I just thought the City to win and cover the minus one handicap um, on the Asian line it just looked too big it was 2.05 um, I expected it to be shorter than that to be honest uh, given the data that both these teams have posted I thought the line would be minus 1.5 rather than minus, uh, minus 1 um, you know we, we talk about Liverpool and the fact they have been missing some players but you know let's be honest they, they're really bad travellers they've been pathetic away from home this season the record is 3-3-7 three, three and seven, so 3 wins 3 draws 7 losses away from home
0: that's and extraordinary it's not- for a team that was within a whisker winning the title last season, isn't it?
3: It really is, yeah. Um, you know, Not sure what's happened from a tactical perspective, but they've just been really easy to play against. They've been really easy to, to create chances against, which is the biggest worry, especially ahead of this trip. They've allowed 1.92 expected goals against per away game, which is incredibly high. I think it's the third most of any team when travelling in, in the league this season, which is staggering, really, for... Like I said, a team that came so close to to winning the title last season. Um, they have scored just 13 times in 13 games. Yeah, there's, there's been a bit of negative variance there. They probably should have scored uh, at least five more based on the chances they've created, maybe even more than that. So, um, But but for me, it's that defensive figure. It's just, I just can't look away from it. That is really, really disappointing. And um, Manchester City are by far the best home team in the league. One eleven 11 of 13, as Mark's already mentioned. Um, averaging nearly 2.5 expected goals for per game on average. So, you know, you put that attacking process up against the, the Liverpool defensive process when travelling, and it you know, could spell real problems for you for and Klopside. And defensively, they've looked sharp as well, particularly at the Etihad. They've conceded just 0.8 expected goals against per game. So, um, while we know Liverpool have the tools to create chances there and score, um, City are playing at a, a good enough level to limit the damage effectively. Um, and yeah, the. 3.3 goals per game is what they're scoring at the Etihad. And I think if they score three goals here, the chances of this minus one, um, well, A, either being a push and getting your money back or winning is, is you know, incredibly high. And if you look over the course of the season, as I said, they've won 11 of 13 at the Etihad. This bet would have won in 10 of those 11 wins. So they've covered the minus one handicap, um, basically in nearly every single victory they've had. One push, two losses. So, yeah, I really like it. I think City are going to win the game. Um, and I think that they, as Mark said, that they, they've, when it comes to the big games, they, they have really stepped up, particularly, um, at home. And I can't see anything different here. Um, and like I said, that price I was expecting to be shorter. I expected the line to be minus one and a half, given what we've seen from both. I do think Liverpool are still being rated by the market, um, as probably the third best team in the league. They're not that for me. Um, I'd, I'd probably put Man United, I'd put Newcastle above them as well. Maybe at this point Brighton as well, because they've shown more consistency, um, over a, a decent span of matches now under deserve 15 games that Liverpool just haven't shown. So, um, especially when traveling, I do think there's an opportunity to take them on.
0: And while Liverpool fans scramble for ways that they can get in touch with Jake over the next few days, uh, I can tell you that we're making a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There's a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com. So what about the league leaders, Arsenal? They face Leeds at the Emirates. The Gunners have won their last six top flight matches. The hosts 1.32 favourites here. Emmett, their record at home to bottom half sides has been exceptional for a long time. I feel like we've talked about this many, many times on the show. Arsenal have been remarkably consistent against teams they're expected to batter at the Emirates.
2: Definitely, I just my only concern is that we might not be getting the usual Arsenal that has kind of ha, ha, has kind of won all those games. Just uh, it looks like William Saliba probably won't play. Um, he's, he's 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 suffering suffering with the back injury. He didn't join up with the French squad. And in terms of Arsenal squad, in terms of like the drop off from starter to kind of second team player. I would say the drop off from Saliba to Rob Holding is possibly the biggest in the Arsenal squad. You're going from one of the best centre halves in the league in William Saliba to I think pretty a lower mid-table level level player in, in, in Holding. Also, He's got lovely th- hair
0: though. He's grown he his does, hair out. It's absolutely wonderful absolutely. with the Alice band, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> terrific, terrific. Um, uh, his his uh, his hair, his um, his pace and his hair don't quite have the same kind of level, <laughs> levels, like uh, of quality. And then uh, Thomas Parley didn't play at all for Ghana during. Ger- ger- national break and there's some concern he might be absent as well so just given that we might not see kind of an Arsenal that are as defensively solid uh, uh, as they have been and also also as well I think Leeds are kind of on the up under Javi, Graf- Javi Gracia they scored six goals in their last two matches against Brighton and Wolves they have they have some really good players in the counter-attack I'm thinking specifically of Wilfred Nanto who, who at 19 I think is one of the Premier League's most promising young attacking players Jack Harrison again as player revels in kind of space in the counter-attack so I, can, I think Leeds can carry a bit of threat and I wouldn't be surprised if we if this is kind of a similar type of game to what we saw with Arsenal Bournemouth a few weeks ago, where Arsenal maybe get through late in a kind of a 2-1 or a, or, or kind of a 3-2 type of game. So yeah, I, I definitely if you're betting on this game, I'd probably just wait for a bit of team news, but as long as as long as long Saliba is out, I think the both teams to score here here is pretty good. You, you can get that around 2.0 on the exchange, which I think is more than fair. I think Leeds are a cut above the teams that Arsenal have been battering lately.
0: Jake, one of the things that really stood out to me about that Leeds win at Wolves was how they really went for them from the get-go. And Javi Gracia sometimes gets a reputation as being quite safe, being quite you know, circumspect, especially in these big relegation six-pointers. But as Emmett says, they looked ever so good going forward.
3: They did, yeah, but there's a lot of luck involved um, looking back at that match. You look at the XG, XG totals, it was 2.9 to 1.4 in Wolves' favour. So if you simulate that match again, Wolves win the game 65% of the time. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a lot of cold water on Leeds' as fire at the minute because I'm you not... Is there a bit of game
0: good. state in that though, Jake? Because obviously um, Leeds led fairly early on. Doesn't that play into that a little bit?
3: A little bit, but any team that conceives over two expected goals to Wolves as a problem. Um, whether there's game state involved or not, because they are one of the worst creative teams in the league, even since lopategi's coming. Um, I think they've just 1.2 expected goals for per game since he arrived. So, um, yeah, to get to, to concede these three expected goals is a massive concern for me. It was away from home as well. I still have concerns about Leeds when travelling. Um, and, yeah, they've, they've picked up seven points from 12 matches, but performances in all, bar the Southampton game, really, have been poor. They've been comfortably second best in every single one. You know, they were lucky to get a point against brighton um, chelsea you know they comfortably beat them should have won by a big a wider margin um so yeah i'm, I'm not jumping on this league's bandwagon whatsoever um i know it's a, it's a small sample of four games but ultimately you're playing against the league, the, the league leaders um it's not like you're playing a mid-table team to, to fall back on so um i think that the span of four matches what i've seen heading to the emirates um, makes me confident of in Arsenal to win with a minus one and a half handicap uh, at 1.87. It, yeah, basically four games in charge, they've averaged 0.96 expected goals for, 1.8 expected goals against per game. So that that kind of level, if it was sustained from now to the end of the season, would see them relegated. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that would see them relegated. It's not good enough, um, and they've shipped over two expected goals in the, both the last two matches. Um, Brighton Wolves, obviously Brighton, we, we've touched upon earlier. I think they're one of the best teams in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's there's massive problems at Leeds still. I don't think they've been fixed by the managerial change. You've got the the little upturn, the, the new manager bounce, which is just generally a myth because you know ultimately they were actually performing at a decent level under Jesse Marsh, believe it or not. Um, they they actually ranked as like the twelfth best team in the league based on expected goals process. Um, so you know that, that that kind of upturn was. In results was going to happen um.
0: Chaos frightens people though doesn't it? I mean you looked at the way they, I I agree with you, I think they weren't massively far away from what he wanted but you never really felt that they were going to be consistent because there's no way you can be consistent with the way he wanted to play. So you bring in somebody who's slightly more boring in Javi Gracia and suddenly everybody feels a little calmer. Might not be the way to go long term but you can understand why Marsh keeps getting the boots from places.
3: You, you can, yeah. But in Lisa's case, I don't understand it at all because they just backed him by bringing in all these players in January. And then yeah, that was weird. That was really right. weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, hold on. You can assign all these players that he wants that suit his system and then you're just going to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, that was but, strange.
3: Um, but yeah, like, you know, the, the chaos is... It's off-putting to some people, yeah. But ultimately, it is, it's, it's, it is boom and bust is what it is. You know, if you play four matches, you win two, lose two like that that's going to keep you up over the long term you know if you have two two good matches out of four two good matches out of five you're going to stay up in the season and that's what happened last season ultimately um, so yeah a little, little bit surprising and, and yeah I, I'm you know I think Leeds have got enough good quality players to stay up um, I just think they need to improve the process and I think Nonto is a doubt this week um, Tyler Adams is out for the season which is a big blow um, Max Verber is a doubt as well who's been really really good recently so there's a couple of injury problems for Leeds. And then Arsenal, excellent at home, won 11 of 14. They're six for six when hosting one of the relegation candidates. And I know there's a lot down there, isn't there? Was it eight or nine relegation candidates right now? But they've won all, all six. They've covered the one and a half um, handicap in five of those six as well. So, you know, they, they, generally they do make light work of relegating threat, relegation-threatening teams. And, and that's just because they create so many good chances. I mean, they're at 2.3 expected goals for per game, which is... Incredibly high. Um, I think it's third best behind Newcastle and Manchester City. But it just kind of shows you that the, the attacking weapons that they have, we know just by watching them, you know, the likes of Sacco and Erdegaard are frightening on the day. And you know, you've got Trossard who's been playing the False Nine really well. You've got Gabriel Jesus back fully fit now. He's had a couple of runouts. So he reintroduced him. Martinelli's been playing really well. So I just think it's going to be a case of how many Arsenal score, how many Arsenal win by. Um I do think Leeds will get on the score sheet, so maybe looking at Arsenal to win and both teams to score as well might be a um an angle. Again, it's said Arsenal do concede a lot of goals at home. I think the bow teams to score clicked in about sixty five percent, maybe seventy percent of their home matches. So that's another angle. But yeah, I'm I'm not ready to jump on this Leeds uh bandwagon just yet. Um yeah, I, I think this could be a very comfortable victory for Arsenal.
0: Let's head to Germany then. Union Berlin seem to have fallen out of the title race, but they're still in the mix for Champions League qualification potentially. They'll fancy their chances are home to a struggling Stuttgart team that hasn't really taken off since Bruno Labbadia, the renowned firefighter, took charge. Mark, what's the angle of attack here? I did see that Union are quite a big price to score twice, which, I, which did uh, did leap out to me. But what have you got for us?
1: Well, yeah, there was there was a choice between one or the other. Um, Union Berlin to score over one and a half goals, or Union Berlin to win the match. Um, Union to win is two point one, which is a very big price for a team who are five points off the top of the table and playing the team rock bottom of the Bundesliga. And as you say, they've been <clears throat> their their recent form has, has um, dropped off a little bit, but I think that's probably understandable considering the hectic schedule they've been dealing with, not just Bundesliga action but also the Europa League, which they exited before the international break but also the DFB Pokal as well they're also involved in that too so they're having an incredible campaign we've talked about it many times really punching enormously above their weight Uh, it's kind of ridiculous really that they're only four points shy of Bayern Munich at this stage of the season but their home record has been rock solid, not just this season, but since they've been promoted to this level. Uh, this season alone, they're unbeaten in 12. Uh, at Copenhagen, winning eight of those games. Uh, and so just to see them at odds against, uh, to beat the team bottom of the league is, is appealing enough, as you say, to score twice or more. They've done that in nine of those 12 games as well. They've conceded just eight home goals all season, uh, only once conceding multiple goals. And that's despite facing Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, Gladbach. Perhaps all the the most likely candidates to score goals uh, against opposition sides. So really, really strong. Uh, and as I say, that form sort of uh, goes back a long way now. Even if you look to the beginning of last season, Union have lost just two home games in that sample in the Bundesliga. And that was against Bayern and Dortmund last season. Uh, Stuttgart, 13 defeats from 25. winless away. Lost seven of those 12 away and actually their record when you exclude the bottom seven reads zero wins five draws and 12 defeats so that's across all venues zero clean sheets in that 17 game sample as well and they've conceded twice or more in 10 of 12 road trips and they come into this game with six defeats in the last eight as well they've not been that bad in some of those fixtures but um just can't seem to be picking up points at the minute and uh, there's a chance that garassi might be back for this game which would be a big boost but i think it's possibly cancelled out by the fact that Union have been a, have been given an opportunity to to rest and recuperate and, and prepare to go again for the final sort of uh, quarter of the campaign. So, um, as I say, it's been a really hectic period. You can make allowances for Union's drop-off in recent form, but uh, expect them to be back on it this time around. And I just think odds against on them to beat the team bottom of the table is, is just too big. It's just disrespectful, actually.
0: Elsewhere in Germany, Freiburg also slipping a little bit, only a little bit. They went out of the Europa League as well, like Union. They were beaten by Juventus, but the take on a hair to side, Emmett, that's in big relegation trouble, and they are rubbish away from home. Better at the Olympia Stadion, but away from home they are dreadful.
2: Yeah, I think myself and Mark are in a kind of similar category here. We've kind of, you've two kind of smaller, kind of non-traditional German clubs who are kind of punching above their weight, high at the table, whose kind of XG, num- who's, who's, who's XG numbers are probably not quite as good as their kind of league performance, but are still maybe being kind of underrated by the market. Uh, and I think that's, that's the case here. And similar, similar to Union Berlin, Union Berlin, um, Freiburg are also in the, in, in the Europa League. So if you've kind of, th- that's fine for a team like Man United and Juventus with their squads, but teams like um, Union Berlin and Freiburg just don't quite have that same resources. So playing the kind of th- Thursday, Sunday constantly it is is quite difficult. As you said, they've been knocked out by Juventus. So I, I still think I think we might see some some kind of. Improvement in, in in Freiburg's performances as the season goes on, with them only be able to focus on the Bundesliga. Um, but I think, as, you, as as you alluded to, they're playing Hertha with Herth who have been the Bundesliga's worst worst team since the since the Christmas break. They and they've lost their last five away matches by an aggregate score of seventeen to four. They've lost losing by at least two goals in, in each of those matches against kind of a range of quality Bundesliga opposition I, I think the 1.7 the exchange in Freiburg to win is more than fair I think even I'd even look backing them minus one on the Asian handicap so if um, if Freiburg only win by gold you get your money back I think if you're not an exchange punter as well there are Freiburg or, uh, Freiburg, or um, Freiburg minus one is over seven to four in the sports booking that's more more than fair as well I think it's hard not to see anything other than a very comfortable Freiburg winner.
0: Back to the Premier League, then massive clash at the city ground between Nottingham Forest and Wolves. Jake, how's this one going to go? Because Forest have had a serious wobble recently. I know they've had some tough games, but they've been relying on that home form and the home form suddenly disappeared out the window.
3: Yeah, uh, wobble's probably an understatement. They've been absolutely trounced for six matches, pretty much. I know they've got a couple of draws in there, but from a data perspective, they've been shocking. 0.85 0.85 expected goals for, not 2.36 against. So, yeah, they they are, you know, after they steadied the ship, the defensive process kind of plateaued after um, a really bad start, um, and it's got considerably worse over the last six matches, which is a massive concern heading down the uh, the home stretch. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this game. I think it's a tough game to call from a a one x two perspective. I think Wolves. Um, As I said, they've not pulled up any trees whatsoever um, under Lopaté, you know, the results have been okay, but the the performances, the process is actually worse than what it was pre-World Cup, believe it or not, which, um, yeah, took me by surprise. Um, They're running at minus 0.45 expected goal difference per game, and pre-World Cup it was minus 0.34, so they've actually got worse um, since the managerial appointment. Um, But one thing that we have seen from them is that when playing the six-pointers, they have seen quite a few goals. They've played five, six point, five relegation six-pointers under Lopatagi and three of those have gone over two and a half. So a small play, um, looking at the Forest's defensive process and the, given the way in which Wolves have defended in particular away from home under Lopatagi. I was happy to have a little bet on over two and a half goals at 2.5. I think it looked very, very big. Um, it's it over has landed in all of Forest's last four matches, which is no surprise given that defensive figure that I've read out. Um, and uh, overall at home, they've averaged 1.25 expected goals for and 1.75 against, which is three expected goals per game. So if they go to average, then we're going to see three expected goals with the chances in the match and the chance of obviously that seeing the overs click um, it is very high. And, and Wolves actually, overs landed in six of 13 since Lopetegis t- took over, four of seven. So it has ha- happened more likely. Uh, more often, sorry, than than the current odds on offer would suggest. So a small play, but I just thought it looks a little bit of value there at, at 2.5. And it's overestimating um, that it's going to be a cagey match.
0: To the south coast, and it's the what a well-run club. They are Classico between Brighton and Brentford. Uh, Emmett Brighton, the odds on favourites here at 1.7. Is that smid short, or are we just looking at the fact that Brentford are much better at home than they are away?
2: Yeah, no, I, I I I would tend to agree with you. Yeah, so, so I think for listeners who really aren't aren't aware, this is the kind of the the professional gambler derby as well. So both yes. these but but both, both these clubs are kind of owned by two, two of the most kind of successful professional gamblers we've had in, in the UK in in Matthew Benham and, and Tony Bloom. And again, the backstory here is that Benham used to work for Bloom, and they apparently had a serious falling out. So this is a game that I think both clubs, especially the owners, will will will, will really desperate. Desperately want to win, <clears throat> like you said. Though I, I think Brighton are a better team than Brentford, but I don't think they're, they're, they're as, uh, as much better as the odds would indicate. Brighton here they're trading at around one point six nine to match, and that just that that just that just looks a little bit short to me. I think just looking looking at the XG numbers, looking at the kind of results since Christmas and over the season, I think I think I, I, I would have bright maybe more more of kind of a one point eight shot here. And the other angle I like here about... uh, about Brentford is I think Brentford are really suited to playing kind of a reactive style of play when teams can kind of when teams push onto them and they can and they can just they can hit them on the counter-attack and we've seen examples of this when they played Arsenal away from home they got a draw again very few teams have done that they beat Man City um in in Manchester and they also we saw that when they were without Ivan Tony against Liverpool at home they they beat Liverpool actually fairly comfortably so I think I think the, the, the kind of the style of play that Brighton will play will actually suit Brentford down to the ground, and Brian and William and I will totally, Ivan Tony will relish play, playing in the space that kind of Brighton will offer them. And I'd be I will be a little worried from Brighton's point of view in terms of the maybe a little bit of a lack of pace the centre half pairing. I think maybe, Ivan Tony can maybe get after Lewis Dunk a bit in that regard. And all told, yeah, I I, I really like um, Brentford winner drawable draw double chance. I think Brighton just look 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 a bit too shorter.
0: This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan-favorite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, a couple of La Liga selections for you, courtesy of Marco Hare.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, Girona against Espanyol is at 1pm on Saturday. That appeals to me uh, because uh, La Liga has been Europe's lowest scoring major league so far this season, just 2.43 goals per game, 56% of matches going under two and a half goals and only 48% seeing uh, both teams scoring, which is uh, very low. Eight sides have seen their matches produce a maximum of 2.3 goals per game. That includes the league leaders Barcelona, which kind of highlights How unentertaining, I should say, things have uh, have tended to be in Spain this season. But these two teams are in the top three for goals per game averages in Spain so far this season. Uh, Girona topped the list and their matches averaged 3.12 goals. Espanyol a third with 2.85. Both sides boast a a pretty solid 58% return for over two and a half goals backers, but it's their BTTS hit rates which really appeal to me. Both have seen both teams scoring in 19 of their 26 La Liga games, which is 73%. Uh, if we crudely turn that percentage into implied odds, you'd get 1.37. We're getting 1.91 for both teams to score in this match. Uh, now, that's obviously not how you price up matches, but uh, my model certainly makes. <laughs> you <BTS. lot> always <laughs> say that. You always go,
0: "Well, if you if you if you do this crudely, you get this price." Of course, that's not how you do it. But is why is just, it not uh, how you do it? I've uh, been because, dying to ask this for weeks.
1: Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into. Um, a pricing up a match as emmet will tell you but it's all about sort of supremacy some total goal expectations um and that will kind of spit out a, a price for you but it gets quite so it's complicated. a good
0: guide but it's not there's there's a load more you could put in but it's yeah, a decent guide it's,
1: it's 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 a it's a throwaway guide you would never use it scientifically to do anything <laughs> anything strong um i just like doing it because it gives people an idea of just how strong you know these kind of selections are hitting on a regular rate in that sense. You know, 73% is is a strong percentage and that's hitting for both teams. But uh, the BTTS price is 1.91, which is a massive difference. Um, what I would say is my model says that BTTS should be a lot shorter than 1.91, closer to 1.7. So there's still a great bet to be had there in this match. Um, As I say, that 73% hit rate is for both teams. When actually you look at both home and away records as well, it's still at 73%. Um, But these are some of the numbers which really stood out to me. Espanyol has scored in 23 of 26 league games so far this season. They're one place above the relegation zone, which is incredible, really. Only Barcelona have scored in more games than Espanyol so far this season in La Liga. They're playing a Girona team with just one clean sheet. Uh, No side has kept fewer clean sheets in Spain so far this season than Girona. Um, But they've scored in 20 of 26 themselves. And they're playing an Espanyol side who's only away clean sheets since early September Came at Elche, who, as we all know, are terrible and rock bottom and heading for Segunda pretty soon. So, um, and also, I think we've got two attack minded coaches on show here. Michel with Girona, uh, he got the team promoted last season, playing forward thinking football, has carried it on so far this season. Only the big three, Barça, Real, and Atletico have scored more goals in La Liga so far this season than Girona and in Espanol you've got Diego Martinez who did wonderful things with Granada. They're struggling to kind of get Espanol on straight and narrow right now but uh, they're certainly playing some decent football and have the ability in that squad to push clear of the bottom three but uh, time will tell if they're good enough to do that. So yeah, I just think BTTS at 1.91 in a a winnable game for both teams. Girona are kind of getting dragged into that relegation race themselves so they need a, a strong performance here too. So yeah, nice price. Uh so the a bat-
0: Catalan derby I was going to say what's your other one got two Yeah
1: the other one um Athletic against Getafe. Um, quite a, an ugly game on paper, you could say. But um, Violence. <laughs> screams violence. <laughs> it does, it does. But um, there's, a, there's an alternative angle or two, which I really like here. Athletic just look far too short for me to win this game on Saturday. Um, they're having a very solid season under Valverde, unsurprisingly. There is the potential to qualify for Europe, but uh, most of their good work was done before the World Cup. If you look at their La Liga records since, they've won just three of the last 12 picked up only 12 points from 12 and scored 12 goals. Um, Compare that with Getafe, who are embroiled in that really big relegation battle. Um, They should survive. They've got a decent enough squad and they're coaching Kike Sanchez-Flores, which is much better than the rest of them down there. Um, Their season has started to turn for the better. They've lost one in seven, Three wins in five. They held Atletico Madrid away from home in that sample, lost narrowly away at Villarreal. But it's the manner of their performances too, which really kind of catch the eye. They're in the top eight for the underlying metrics over that seven-game sample. Seen a few of those games at first hand. They've been very good, very competitive. They're showing a lot more in forward areas. They've scored seven goals in the last three games. They played really, really well against Sevilla when beating them. Really well away at Cadiz when only getting a point, And Girona as well. And I don't think the step up is that severe to go to Athletic immediately after an international break. Um, This Getafe team have lost by two goals or more just once, uh, sorry, they haven't lost by two goals or more since September, which kind of goes to show how accustomed they are to tight and competitive matches. And, you know, I always think in those kind of tight games, it doesn't take a huge amount for things to bounce your way if you are playing well consistently and going through the right processes. So I looked at Getafe's price here to win 7.2. That's a, a massive price for a team who've earned more points, scored more goals, and won more matches than their opponents uh, in the 12-game sample since the World Cup. But uh, the alternative here with the safer play, the pragmatic play, is Getafe plus one on the Asian Handicap at 1.78. It just means if Athletic win this game by exactly one goal, you get your stake back. I'd be surprised if the, uh, the hosts won this match by two goals or more. I just think Getafe are, are battle-hardened and very well-equipped to stay in competitive matches and keep things tight.
0: When he says battle-hardened, he means they kick everybody, and they've done that for a long, long time now. Uh, It's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so popular that the real reason Nicola Sturgeon quit as First Minister of Scotland was to have more time to put together acres from Scottish League 2. Now, how this works is each of the three guys come up with a selection from the weekend's action, and delightful traders like Emmett wrap them up in a boosted Treble for you. I will start with... With Jake
3: okay I will <laughs> take... why are you not ready <laughs> for this why does
0: this always happen we've done this for years now <laughs> in my defense I've not always been on the podcast surprised? for
3: about a month so uh no I'm, no yes yeah, No, it excuse. caught me by surprise then when he was like I thought we've got Scott watch next but um okay um I'll go I with read
0: the whole podcast treble bit you must have been ready. Uh, yeah, I know, but that,
3: that's when I was starting to click around. just drift off thinking something.
0: O'Hare's going to carry the show for the next five minutes. <laughs> right, uh, you can wait. You can wait no, now. I'll, I've right, got Mark, mine now. Mark, you go first. He's lost his chance now. You go first.
1: Sure. Um, I will go to France on Sunday. Uh, Angers take on Nice. and uh, As we all know, Angers are horrendous. They've lost 21 of 28 league games already this season. They're spiralling into crisis on and off the field. Um. Just horrendous. And since September's international break, they've played 20 games. They've lost 18 of those and drawn twice. So two points from a possible 60 since September. Uh, Their record at home is horrendous. And they're playing a Nice team who are unbeaten under Didier Desgardes. And they've also won away at Lens, Marseille and Monaco under his watch since the start of his calendar year, which kind of goes to show how good and capable they can be. So fully expect them to go to Angers and pick up a win. So Nice to win.
0: See so there you go, clicked into gear, bang, there's your selection. Jake, back to you. Here you go, here's your second chance.
1: Yeah, Mark did
3: have about five minutes of me clicking around to come up with this, so... Um, uh, West Ham to beat Southampton is what I'm going to go for, which is also Sunday. Yeah, West Ham, they've... They, we're going to touch on this in Sunday's pod, but they, they've been very strong at home recently. They've won two and drawn two in the last four, but... They've actually got a, a very good record against relegation rivals. They've won four of six at home against those teams in and around them. And their XG process is really good in those matches as well. Um Southampton, similar story to Leeds. And other results have been pretty good, but I'm not sold. I think the processes remain very poor. Um, and, and I think West Ham, having that, had a nice break, got the legs back similar to... What the lads were saying about the the German pair Freiburg and and Union Berlin they've had European commitments as well as having to juggle the Premier League they needed a rest they needed a break and I think they'll come out firing and, and we'll have enough to beat Southampton
0: and Emmett take us home
2: yeah lastly for all the reasons given earlier um I'll take will take Freiburg just to win uh, at home at home to uh, at home to Hertha Berlin they look like home banker material
0: now you've had to wait an entire fortnight for this are you ready? It's Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. It's Scott Watch. Mark, take it away.
1: Cool. Um, We're going to Scottish League One uh, to oppose our old friend Peterhead again. Uh, They're playing away at Queen of the South. Queen of the South, minus one, is five to four on the Sportsbook. That's good enough for me. Uh, they're unbeaten in four. They've won three of those, scoring eight goals. They've also played Peterhead three times this season. They've won those games 3-1, 2-0 and 4-1. They've won three of the last four at home, only losing at home to league leaders Dunfermline. Uh, We've talked about Peterhead seems weakly at the moment, but uh, they're rock bottom of Scottish League One with 12 points from 29 games. They've lost 21 of those. Their goal difference is minus 59. Their away record, 12 defeats from 15. Uh, They've scored just six goals away all season, conceded three goals per game on average away from home. They've conceded twice or more in 12 of those and conceded four goals or more on four occasions. But their away record since the 1st of October, they've won just one point and scored one goal in 11 games. That's almost 17 hours of football away from home. Wow. They've actually failed to score in 16 of the last 21 across all venues. And their last three games have been lost by an aggregate score of 14-0. Um, overall, 10 of their 12 away losses were by two or more goals. And as I say, Queen's have covered this cap by um, two goals or more, uh, three times against Peterhead already this season. But what we're really excited, or what I'm really excited about actually, is, is Culture Corner because Queen of the South are an absolute treasure trove. I don't even know where to begin. There's so much quality content here um if i say so myself <laughs> no no i agree i don't disagree oh, honestly there's just so much here so queen of the south i didn't know it was also the name of an american crime drama which ran for five series so it must have been quite all right i've never heard of it but there you go um they're managed by Marvel. you haven't Bartley. heard of any
0: Popular culture. That's not a surprise <laughs> that there was a show on for five series and you hadn't heard of it. Have you heard of
1: Queen of the South? No, admittedly no. And there I watch a lot of television. <laughs> um, they're managed by Marvin Bartley, who EFL fans will know, a bit of a stalwart centre half, central midfielder. Still only thirty six, which surprised me. Um, anyway, they're, uh, they're located in Dumfries, southwest Scotland. Uh, a notable supporter of the club is Calvin Harris, who grew up ah. in Dumfries. Uh, he wanted actually to to. Um, Devise a, a club anthem for their appearance in Europe um, many moons ago, but uh, it clashed with his uh, debut album, so we couldn't. Anyway, um, Queen of the no South. Commitment. not be, good enough. <laughs> they claim to be the only club in the UK to be mentioned in the Bible. Uh, there are quotes from both uh, the Luke and Matthew Testaments which feature Queen of the South, uh, and the club play a song titled The Only Team in the Bible by Neil Grant at their home, Palmerston Park, every time the teams run out from the tunnel, which is just wonderful stuff. And um, Actually, Queen of the South got their name because Dumfries was nicknamed the Queen of the South by a local poet, David Dunbar, who stood in the general election back in 1857. And in one of his addresses, he called Dumfries the Queen of the South, and it just became synonymous with the town as well. Uh, there's so much more their nickname about Doonhamers and all sorts, but uh, I'll save it for another mention of Queen of the South. On the exactly. Podcast.
0: Keep it for the next time they are at home. See, This is why this has become uh, arguably not only the best bit of this show, the best bit of any show on the Betfair Network. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Talking of other shows on the Betfair Network, we've got Cricket Only Better, lots of good IPL tips in that. We've got Racing Only Better and indeed The Wade In Podcast, but none of them, I guarantee you, will have Culture Corner. From Jake, from Mark, from Emmett, and from me, it's goodbye for now.